Mark Cuban. Going against the norm and, and looking for people who had great ideas is, is really what I look for as opposed to individuals mentoring me. David Stern. Thank you. Those are very kind and generous words. I greatly appreciate them and thanks for having me on. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. Chris Everett. It was very interesting. You asked great questions, so thank you very much, Brian. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> Maria Taylor. Oh, thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. And your preparation shows you. Tim Howard. Well, I appreciate you saying I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. One of my favorite shows has always been HBO's Hard Knocks. I've watched it for all 15 years. It's won 18 Sports Emmy Awards. This week, Emmy Award-winning producer and director for NFL Films and HBO's Hard Knocks, Shannon Furman, is going to take us inside the making of Hard Knocks. You're going to love this conversation. The voice of God, Lee Schreiber, narrates it. We get to hear about his process. We hear how the music is done. Uh, you know, this is an interesting time for Hard Knocks because you're doing it during a pandemic. It's the first time they featured two teams, the Los Angeles Chargers and the Los Angeles Rams. And it airs every Tuesday night on HBO or on demand on HBO Max. I think you're going to enjoy today's conversation with Shannon Furman. If you're a journalist student, if you work in broadcasting or you're just interested in the inner makings of HBO's Hard Knocks, you should definitely tune in today. This week's edition of Sports Business Radio is presented by Mizzen in Maine. Dress shirts and pants that feel like athletic apparel. Wrinkle-free, no dry cleaning, worn by elite athletes like Phil Mickelson, J.J. Watt, and yes, yours truly, Brian Berger. I love Mizzen in Maine shirts, pants. Visit MizzenInMaine.com and enter promo code SBR to save at checkout. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing good, and you are right. I mean, we're geeks on this hard knocks, behind the scenes type stuff. And great interview with Shannon Lee Schreiber is one of my like iconic, you know, idols of my career. So it's just fun. I love behind the scenes. You really get to know how they build these shows with the music and the production behind it. She's great. So great interview, behind the scenes stuff on hard knocks. I love it. Well, and I'll tease this: the turnaround time on editing. And getting the show out the door so it's on HBO on Tuesday nights, it's insane. Like, it is amazing how much footage they shoot, how they have to condense it. Uh, the short turnaround times for people like Lee Schreiber, the writer of the script, just so much stuff that they have to put together in like three days and get it out the door. So, I have even more respect for what HBO Hard Knocks does every week after this conversation with Shannon. Griggs, a really sad week. Uh, we lost some iconic people this week. Let's start with Chadwick Boseman, who has always been one of my favorite actors and has been in movies such as 42, where he portrayed Jackie Robinson. Obviously, he was Black Panther. He was in Draft Day, which I just watched recently. And we learned that he was battling colon cancer for four years. He was making movies. He was fighting this battle silently. Just an amazing person in addition to an actor. So huge, huge loss there, Griggs. Yeah, it's uh, it's just been one of those weeks. It's like the next 
rock falls and you're like oh my gosh and then oh my gosh no way and it's just but that one hurts more because it's like or the most to me because it's like such a young talent you know and such a a great outspoken voice for you know his community and his life and where he came from and uh, a solid actor and like you said fighting and acting through cancer the last four years is phenomenal so a big loss there yeah 43 years old way too soon Uh, iconic university of arizona basketball coach lute olson passed away this week. And, you know, I'm from Arizona. So I saw firsthand growing up the impact that Lute Olson had on University of Arizona basketball, really Tucson, Arizona. I mean, no one went to Tucson, Arizona. I grew up in Phoenix. You know, if you couldn't get into Arizona State, all right, I guess I'll go down the road and, and go to Tucson. But quickly that flipped when Lute Olson took over. And, University of Arizona became a, a very desired school to go to. And obviously, their basketball program. You know, just amazing. And you look at all of the pros that Lute Olson put out and just really good people in the world like Steve Kerr, Sean Elliott, uh, Channing Fry, Richard Jefferson, many, many others who played at University of Arizona under Lute Olson. He passed this week. Another iconic basketball coach. And, you know, really, I would say my favorite basketball team growing up, John Thompson passed away this week. He was the head coach of the Georgetown Hoyas. First African-American basketball coach to win an NCAA championship, uh, really a trailblazer in so many ways. Coach Patrick Ewing, Alonzo Mourning, Allen Iverson, uh, and was just a bigger-than-life character. 6'10", played uh, with the Boston Celtics and Bill Russell, won two NBA championships in the 1960s. I had the pleasure of meeting John Thompson a few times because he worked very closely with Nike, and I used to consult with Nike. Just uh, a mountain of a man, but uh, had a real soft side. And anyone who played for him just adored him. So a big loss for the world. John Thompson passed his week. And then Cliff Robinson, who played 18 years in the NBA, including with the NBA's Portland Trailblazers. I worked for the Blazers, as many of you know, and, and Cliff was there during that time. And, you know, was on those 1990s Blazers teams that went to the NBA Finals. And uh, I think he's like the 53rd leading scorer in NBA history, which is amazing because he played most of his career off the bench. He wasn't a starter and still scored that many points. And, you know, he passed away this week of lymphoma, 53 years old, way too soon. So, Griggs, four big losses this week. And you know what? As I've said many times on Twitter, 2020 sucks. Yeah, it's just it. That's That should be the slogan for 2020. 2020 sucks because it just... It's like every time you think, okay, we're getting over this, and then wham, this week we lose four big-time people. And uh, yeah, it's tough, but uh, you know, the basketball world just lost three big-time people there. I mean, Cliff, I grew up watching Cliff. He was one of my favorite players, you know, and 17 out of his 18 seasons, I think he made the playoffs. I mean, he was just iconic, sixth man of the year. And let's not forget, he was on Survivor, too, which is crazy. Yeah, and he was doing a lot in the uh, cannabis industry right now as well. So, you know, kind of finding a career there as a, as a business person. And again, gone way too soon, 53 years old. All right, an announcement to make. Next week, we're going to be bringing you the Sports Business Radio Roadshow presented by Boingo. My guest will be Kathy Carter, the Chief Revenue Officer for LA 2028 Olympic Games. They have a $5 billion fundraising goal and an eight-year ramp-up. How are they going to go about transforming the way Olympic Games are planned for and organized? LA 2028 is going to mark the first time ever where no new venues are built, but obviously SoFi Stadium, which is 
just being finished up right now is opening soon. It's going to be the centerpiece for the opening ceremonies and some of the other main events. Tons to discuss with Kathy Carter at the Sports Business Radio Roadshow presented by Boingo. It's going to air on our September 8th podcast. It'll also be on our new Sports Business Radio YouTube channel. So I'm very excited for an inside look at how really LA 2028 is reimagining how to put on an Olympic Games. And again, Griggs, trying to plan for something eight years from now, you know, they say like the window for technological advances is about five years. You can see about five years out and then really we have no idea. Well, this is an eight year ramp up. So trying to figure out like what it looks like eight years from now is really an interesting challenge. Yeah, that's a job that would be like, where do you even start? Yeah, because I mean, stuff changes so quickly, more so now than ever. So yeah, eight years out and you're planning an event like the Olympics post COVID too. So you got to think about all the security and all the safety measures that, you know, you got to plan and, and put into place too. So fascinating conversation, looking forward to that. And there's going to be tons to talk about. So that'll be fun. So Kathy Carter and thank you to her and thank you to our friends at Boingo. Obviously, this will be done virtually, so you'll be able to watch it, like we said, on YouTube as well. Uh, this will not be done in person. All right, before we get to the guest interview with Shannon Furman, you know, I did an emergency pod solo late last week, and one of my ideas was forming a sports union that deals with social justice issues. It brings all athletes together, college and pro. It features people like LeBron James and Patrick Mahomes and uh, Candace Parker and you know whoever else, Sue Bird. It really just bring everyone together. Don't have it siloed in different sports. And then I said it needs to be led by someone who has experience at navigating the political landscape because that's really what this comes down to is getting laws changed. And I suggested former President Barack Obama. Well, Griggs, literally like 12 hours after I recorded that and put it out, I see that LeBron James and Chris Paul and others from the NBA had consulted President Barack Obama on the decision to return to the NBA playoffs or not. And, you know, I think it's great that they reached out to and, and consulted with him and you know, I hope there's a, a more serious discussion about my idea and forming an alliance that you know really spans the entire sports world, not just the NBA, but the WNBA, the NFL, NHL, Major League Baseball, and everyone, because I think there could be some powerful things done. But, you know, for people who said, well, why'd they sit out? They only sat out a day or two. Like, did it really impact anything? Well, Griggs, immediately in the NBA, we see that most NBA arenas have now been turned into voting super centers. So during the upcoming election, you can go to your you know, local NBA arena and vote. Um, there's been you know, more efforts put behind the social justice issues and there's actually been a task force that's been formed with owners, players, and coaches that will tackle issues coming up. So I think it was well worth to sit out for a couple days. And I know other sports did it as well. I know that some of the other sports haven't activated as quickly as the NBA has, which seems to activate better and faster than anyone else. But, uh, you know, some interesting, tangible changes. But the number one thing I would say, and I've been saying this on Twitter, vote. If you're not registered to vote, get out and vote. If you saw what Pete Carroll, the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, did last week, he canceled practice and he made sure everyone on the team was registered to vote. 
Every single team, college and pro, anyone eligible to vote should register to vote. Go do that this week. And frankly, Griggs, you know, we see uh, that a lot of people have a voice on issues going on in our world right now, but 50%, only 50% of Americans voted in the last presidential election. That's unacceptable. And really, if we want change in this world, you've got to register to vote. That's how the democratic process works in the United States. If you want change, you got to vote. Yep, totally agree. And I, I think you're right. I think I was encouraged by the NBA and the quick activation, the things they were doing and the stuff that's already happened. That's encouraging because that, you know, they're stopping, they're having the boycott, but then there's good, tangible stuff coming from it. And that's encouraging. So I'm totally for it. And I agree with you. 50% people voting is not good. We got to get out there and make that number go up. So get out and vote. Lots more opportunities now. Like you said, arenas opening up and a lot of states vote by mail too. So just do it, register and do it. Well, so again, I know we have some teams, some players, unions, some leagues that listen to this podcast. And Pete Carroll laid out the blueprint. Cancel practice. Do whatever you need to do. Get everyone in your organization, including your players, registered to vote and make sure they vote. All right. Coming up next, Shannon Furman, Emmy Award winning producer and director for NFL Films and HBO's Hard Knocks. She's going to take us behind the curtain into one of the most fascinating sports shows that we've seen in the last two decades. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. If you're working from home now like I am, you still need to look professional. Many of us are doing Zoom conferences or FaceTime calls with business associates. That's why I turn to my Mizzen and Main dress shirts. I need to look good from the waist up, but I also want to be comfortable. Mizzen in Maine is like athletic wear disguised as a dress shirt, making them great for comfort while working from home. It's a shirt that has worked for thousands of customers, including hundreds of professional athletes like J.J. Watt and Phil Mickelson. Head on over to MizzenandMaine.com and use promo code SBR to get $10 off your dress shirt. That's MizzenandMaine.com code SBR. Guess what? Mizzen and Maine also make super comfortable wrinkle-free pants and shorts, so you can check those out as well. Head on over to MizzenandMaine.com. Use promo code SBR to get $10 off your next purchase. That's MizzenandMaine.com, code SBR. My guest is Shannon Furman. She's an Emmy award-winning producer and director for NFL Films. She's the director for HBO's Hard Knocks. She's focused on the Los Angeles Chargers. Hard Knocks airs on Tuesdays on HBO On Demand or on HBO Max. The season finale is September 8th. You can find Shannon on Twitter at FirmBiz. Shannon, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Good. I think I have seen all 15 seasons of Hard Knocks. I know you guys have won 18 sports Emmys, so I'm excited to talk behind the scenes of of Hard Knocks. I've always kind of wondered what happens behind the curtains on that show. Thanks for having me. I'll do my best to help you. (laughs) Okay. So let's start before we get into Hard Knocks. How did you get into the business? Um, I was a communications major, broadcast journalism specifically at Penn State. Um, I wanted to do something like this since I was in high school. I took classes. My high school allowed me the opportunity to run a cable TV show as a sophomore in high school. So I kind of knew I wanted to be in sports production somehow. Um, after graduating college, there wasn't a ton of opportunities out there. So I started my own business making local like highlight tapes for sports teams and high schools 
and wedding videos, things like that. And it was like less than six months after doing that, that, um, it was actually my brother's ice hockey team. I made a video for the parents and one of the fathers was friends with someone at NFL films and passed my resume along. And then here I am 17. What an incredible story going from making wedding videos <laughs> to uh, yeah. NFL films and NFL films is, is so legendary. When you first started working there, what was the learning curve like for you? Um, I mean, it wasn't too bad because I actually, started with uh there were six of us that started at the same time I was the youngest of the six people out right out of college and it's crazy to think about in this day and age I was the only person who knew how to edit like that would never happen now so I was in a room with it was five other men and none of them knew how to edit and so when they're like training us on how to edit everybody wanted to be my partner because I already knew how to do it and that would never happen today. Everyone, you know how to edit in this industry. I've you learn how to edit at 10 years old now. So um, that was kind of a big advantage to me coming in. And I got to like pretty much start. I never really had the whole experience of like just logging and researching. Like I jumped right in my first year and was cutting segments. I worked on a show called Under the Helmet that aired on Fox. And it was a lot of fun. It was a kid's show on Fox it's crazy to think about that too, because we had like a whole week to produce that show. Most of the stuff we do now is such quick turnarounds. Like our week is kind of like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, like everything that we do airs by by Wednesday night, except for like our longer, longer format stuff. Um, so that show was like a lot of fun. We had a lot of time. <laughs> we could produce fun pieces, music videos and stuff. So that was what I worked on. I think it was my first two or three years at films before um, getting into our shows change every year. What we have, we have our staples like inside the NFL and things like that, but, uh, it, it changes a lot. Like last year I worked on a show called the uh, NFL, the grind, which aired on epics and it was new last year. And I, I'm hoping that's what I'll be doing this year during the season two. Uh, everything's so crazy with this pandemic, but I think that will be my assignment during the season this year. Wow. So you mentioned the turnaround time and Hard Knocks is one of the fastest turnaround programs on TV. So here's what I've always wanted to know. You know, I've been around documentaries and and things of that nature, and I know how much footage is shot. So how much footage do you have to go through in those few days when you're turning things around and how much footage gets left on the cutting room floor, so to speak? We usually say that it's anywhere from like 300 to 400 hours that we shoot in a given week for every hour that makes air. Uh, This year, I'm imagining it's more since we have two teams. We are kind of thinking that we're operating at about 75%, but with each team, so 150% total. We would normally have like six crews at a camp. This year, we have four crews at each camp. So... um, it's, I don't know the exact number for this year, but in a normal year, it's about 400 hours. So if you think about it, we're shooting almost 30 hours at practice alone a day with, if you have six cameras operating for two to two and a half hours, three hours, even sometimes, cause we're out there. We're usually, we're crazy. We're usually out there like an hour early and then we're still straggling around on the field, getting pressers and just post-practice stuff. So just what we feed back after practice is a, ton of films so uh there's a lot there's a lot left on the cutting room floor at the end of the day and that that's probably the hardest part for us on location because 
we don't get to press the buttons because of the turnaround that you talked about. Like we were the directors and then there's a whole nother team of people working. God only knows how many hours a day back at films that put everything together. So uh, we do our best to collaborate, but at the end of the day, they're the ones that get to make the decision. So that's the hardest part for us in the field. If you've ever seen the last scene of Indiana Jones, when they walk into that humongous building and they've got all the relics, that's what I picture NFL films like, where you've just got like footage from, you know, 75 years of the NFL in a room like that. Do you keep the the cutting room floor footage and, and maybe use it in the future? You've got it, right? Yeah, uh, 100%. I mean, I think that that's what, makes what we do so special and i think you've seen a lot of good examples of that this year within our show um just even going to the chris chris harris and keenan allen battle this week being able to pull up chris's stuff from denver and how many times those guys have been wired against each other um while chris played for the broncos uh my favorite scene and probably the, the story i'm most proud of that i've done as part of hard knocks was last year with the raiders we got to tell Darren Waller's story. He's overcome addiction. And the producer who edited his segment at home just took a shot and went back and looked at John Harbaugh's wires from when Darren was with the Ra- uh, the Ravens uh, back, I don't even know, three, four years ago, and like found John Harbaugh like talking to Darren, who was probably high on the field at the time. And like that just was such a powerful story. And that one clip that he found made that whole scene so much more powerful. So it just goes to show how our library really makes the shows that we do that much more special. And yeah, the footage with hard knocks, um, I'm sure in football lives, like shows like that, we definitely go back to, if we know a subject of a football life has been part of hard knocks, which will probably be more valuable in the coming years because, you know, hard knocks is newer compared to the, the football lives that we've done. But yeah, that, our library is invaluable to what we do. So walk me through, all right, you you shoot all the footage, the show airs on Tuesday. Give our audience a a view of kind of what your week looks like. Yeah. I mean, this year has been a little different with no games, but um, we practice in the morning here. So the craziest days for me are probably like the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, when we're getting the show out the door. Plus we're still starting the next week. So we usually say that our deadline is like Sunday night for footage, but at the same time, if something totally like last year with Antonio Brown, a lot was unfolding on Tuesday morning. So we made sure to in the show. Um, We always like weigh the pros and cons of like, do we rush something get in? Do we do it right the next week? So we like to be our cutoff, but if we have to, we will get stuff in for Tuesday night Um, here with the chargers right now. I'm probably I'm up around 6 a.m. every morning. We have a production meeting at eight o'clock. We have to get tested this year. So that's the thing we're doing. Hmm. Everything, everything the players are doing, we're doing. So uh, we get tested every morning. So we're all tested by around 730 a.m. Then we have a production meeting. Then we head over to the practice field. So they do some pressers beforehand. So we'll film those. We're at practice until anywhere from. 12 to one o'clock, depending on how long the practice is that day. Uh, We'll take a break, eat lunch. Then we start planning for the next day. Most of our meetings have been via zoom this year. Um, Some of the offensive meetings are actually in rooms because they have big ballrooms here at the hotel, but a lot of our stuff has been zoom. So our days have been a little shorter than normal because normally we'd be shooting meetings into the evening. Um, So 
that's helped with that a little bit, but we're still popping in and out of what we call our robo room where we have two guys running cameras, audio, everything for the uh, rooms that have the little robotic cameras in them. Um, so we finish here probably around six o'clock, I guess. In a normal year, we probably wouldn't be done until like eight or nine sometimes when we do have the meetings that we have to be handheld in. And then we have like the Chargers off day is the sat on Saturday. So we did some stuff with Chris Harris and his family last Saturday. Um, we have some stuff planned with some of our rookies this week. So we don't really get a day off, but Saturday is our light day here. And again, to our audience listening, Hard Knocks Los Angeles is focused on both the Los Angeles Chargers and the Rams this year. So Shannon, when you find out, here's the team that's going to be featured on Hard Knocks, or in this case, two teams, how do you initially figure out what the main storylines are, or do you have to be around the team a little bit to kind of organically see those unfold? I would say it's probably a combination of both, um, almost 50-50. I was thinking about that the other day, about like um, the rookie running back character who's emerged. Uh, he wasn't even on our radar coming into this year. Um, we do do research. As soon as the team is announced, we kind of go from zero to a hundred, like, and we'll start doing research. We divide up the team amongst the directors that are on the show. Everybody gets assigned different position groups. We research them. We, we become like FBI agents. We're like looking at their Instagrams, <laughs> all of their social media. Um, the social media is my really daughter cool. should work for you guys. That's what she does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so we do all of that and then we kind of like have an idea of who we want to target, but it really becomes helpful. Actually, like a lot of the teams now do like the rookie days ahead of camp, like where you'll have a couple days with the rookies or even maybe uh, some of the practice squad guys from last year before the vets come in and the stars that you already know, like that they're characters. So that's when you really get to learn about these guys that are kind of unheard of. So we found Darius this year um him and coach just have a bond because coach is a running he's a running back so he loves the running backs he's super hands-on with them so that was how Darius emerged as a character for us so we definitely have an idea going into it of who we want but we learn a lot in like the first week even like with you can learn a lot about personalities during like check-ins this year we didn't have hotel check-ins because we can't be in the guys rooms but we had testing so during testing we saw Casey Hayward and we knew that he was funny with his reaction to his test, which was kind of how the cornhole game even emerged because we just knew that the, DB, the DBs would be naturally funny together. So you learn a lot in that first week, but we do come in with a plan, but the plan usually, we usually execute about 50% of it and then come up with a whole new one. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. There's no question that live sports and entertainment events are changing as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. To ensure a strong recovery that keeps fans safe and engaged, sports venues are reimagining game day with Boingo's 5G connectivity solutions. Boingo Wireless helps partners across the NFL, NBA, MLS, and NCAA redefine the in-venue experience with 5G-ready cellular and Wi-Fi 6 networks that power new touchless technologies. From contactless ticketing and security and in-app food ordering, to IoT robotics for cleaning and maintenance, Boingo's backbone of wireless connectivity makes new stadium use cases possible. Choosing a digital transformation partner you can trust is key to achieving fan experience goals and following rigorous health and safety protocols. 
Boingo is the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. They help world-class venues navigate a complex and ever-changing technology landscape and have done so for 20 years. I recently had Austin FC President Andy Lochnane on Sports Business Radio. Here's what he had to say about Boingo, Austin FC's 5G partner. A relatively competitive process led to a relatively easy decision. The decision to go with Boingo was one that came with a lot of comfort and confidence. Now more than ever, staying connected is what matters most, and Boingo makes it all possible. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. If you need a trusted partner for your network and digital transformation needs, look no further than Boingo. Learn more by visiting boingo.com or emailing sbradio at boingo.com. That's sbradio at boingo.com. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Here's a good question for the journalism students out there. How do you build relationships with your subjects? Because like you just said, some of these athletes and coaches, you're meeting them for the first time. You're saying, hey, can I mic you up? And, you know, you're trying to feature them in hard knocks. How do you kind of earn their trust? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy because like in past years, we would have like we would be in front of them a couple of times before we'd start filming because we would come we would scout, we would meet everybody, maybe meet with the star players. Um, we would shoot the open. So you get to spend a little time with them when you're shooting the open. None of that happened this year. Um, so we actually did zoom calls with a lot of the guys, which was super helpful as much as I kind of hate zoom and am over it at this point. Um, zoom was very helpful to us in that we got to like be on a call with them for like 10 to 15 minutes just to explain to them how we work uh answer any questions they might have um see our faces without masks on so those zoom calls that we did were really valuable for us this year and it's actually probably something in future years i'll still consider doing just so that guys can ask the questions that they want to and get to know us a little bit ahead of time yeah, maybe a good practice, uh, best practice to carry forward. One of the things that I think stands out about NFL films and, you know, really any good documentary or series like this, two things. One, the narration, and two, the music. So let's start with the narration. You've got the best narrator on the planet, yeah. Lee Schreiber. How much do you work with him? What's his role? Because, again, fast turnarounds here. You've probably got to get him cranking when these uh, episodes are ready to go. Yeah, I have never had the pleasure of working with him because I'm I'm here on location. He narrates the show. I believe he's doing it at 6 a.m. East Coast time on Tuesday mornings this year. It changes every year depending on his schedule, what he's working on, where he is. I I, I don't want to be speaking out of turn, but I feel like one year he did it from Italy. Like, it, it just depends on what he's working on, where he does it, and what time he does it. So it's crazy for me because I watch the show. I watch a very rough cut of the show throughout Sunday and Monday, and then I wait. Like, I wait to watch it in real time with because it's so different when you actually get to see it, like, color-corrected, mixed, and with Leaves voice in the show. Like, it just – it changes everything. It's almost like watching a whole new show, and it – I don't know. It's just exciting for me to wait till at least have that to, to wait till it airs to watch that part of it. But um, yeah, there's, we have a man named Jerry Rimel who is an insane writer. He writes the show basically overnight wow. Sunday night. That's incredible. Um, yeah. The producers, the segment producers will give him like an idea of what they want, but then Jerry makes it 
Jerry makes it poetry and he makes it easy. It's crazy. So he does that basically overnight, Sunday into Monday. He'll make any changes he needs to do Monday into Tuesday as different things unfold. And then leave. he narrates it on Tuesday morning. So that is how that process is going this year. And then music, we are fortunate to have we have we're so spoiled we have an in-house composer who could write in hollywood easily if he wanted to so he writes all of our new music for us he updates the hard knocks library every year or so pretty sure he did some new stuff for us this year um so we i mean we have an orchestra in nfl films like it's we bring in orchestras to play the music that dave robito writes like it's we're very lucky but the music so uh, i think it was episode two and you guys end up playing Don't Stand So Close to Me, which was like, mm-hmm. by you know, it's by the police. And it's so fitting during this pandemic. But I was like, mm-hmm. there's a, a perfect example of the music really enhancing what we're seeing and the theme of this scene right here. And, you know, my, I'm asking this selfishly. My daughter's 15 and a half. And she's like, you know what? I think I want to do soundtracks for movies and for TV shows because she just loves the soundtracks to TV shows and movies. There's licensing. There's all these types of things yeah. that you have to do. How do you like who sits around? It's not original music and says, OK, we're playing. Don't stand so close to me. Here's the process to be able to use that song at this time on Hard Knocks in episode two. I, and I think that that honestly is the individual segment producers. We they will put together like a bunch of music like popular music right now which is obviously not the police song that you're referring to um so they do have an idea of like some stuff that's popular right now that we might want to use but then like if a producer or segment producer is editing something um and like comes across an idea as soon as they have the idea we have a music licensing department they'll just submit that to them and they work as hard as they can to get things cleared. Stuff like that is probably if you were to go back and watch hard knocks again, or it's like, it might only be in the show for like a month. Um, so, cause like you said, licensing is so complicated, the longer the term, the more money it costs. Hmm. Um, so we probably do replace a lot of those scenes for the, um, you know, the DVR platform, not DVR, but like on demand platforms, things right. like that. Um, it might only be in the first couple airings because we do use a lot of uh, music like that. So, but yeah, I think for that, I'd have to get the background story on who came up with that. But I think it's a lot of the segment producers that just hear something. They probably honestly were listening to Denzel Perryman tell everyone like not to stand close to him and like just got the idea in their head and basically asked if they could get it done. So yeah, our music, like we have a department of, I'm not sure if it's two or three people. It's a small department but they have all the connections with the record labels and stuff and they'll start working on getting that done for us. I mean, I watched the last dance this summer and I thought one of the best parts of the last dance was the music and the soundtrack. And so that's, again, when I watch anything NFL films and especially hard knocks, the, the music choices really enhance the episodes for me. And then, you know, like I said, Lee Schreiber, he's, he's the best narrator on the planet when he's narrating, when he's reading a script, does he, have the video in front of him for what he's narrating or is he just narrating that and you're adding it to the video? Uh, he narrates it. We add it to the video for in this case. I mean, they could explain the scene to him, but he has not seen the show yet. He does not have pictures. So That's even harder. He's just the best. That's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the only show we narrate to picture is inside the NFL. 
other than that, I think all of our narrators are um, just kind of going off of having a director kind of tell them, setting them up, telling them what's happening and being awesome, especially him. (laughs) So another question a lot of people have for this year is, as we've discussed, there's the Rams and the Chargers. This is the first time, I think, where two teams have been featured on Mm -hmm. Hard Knocks. Why was the decision to feature two teams made? That was actually a decision that was made before the pandemic was even a thing. Um, I think a lot of people think we did it because we knew there weren't going to be preseason games, stuff like that. But it it was mainly just because with the new stadium and the excitement around the uh, SoFi Stadium being built in L.A. So that we kind of knew it was these two teams back to, I want to say, even like in January. So that was always the plan, I think. We were nervous about it at first just because it's like our game segments in a show are anywhere from 15 to 17 minutes. So we were like, how are we going to cut games in the show if we have two teams? Um, But then it became kind of a blessing in disguise for us with losing the preseason games. It just is a way to kind of keep it fresh, keep it moving, um, change things up every couple of minutes in the show. So definitely became a good thing uh, that that was kind of a happy accident this year because it was going to be like that no matter what. Yeah. Uh, A few minutes left, and then I'll let you go. The access parameters. So one of the other things I think that makes Hard Knocks just amazing is you're in the meetings. You're in the office with the coach when he has to cut someone from the team. You're in the position meetings. You really get a sense of here's how an NFL team runs and gets ready for the season. With COVID and the pandemic, and you just mentioned hey, we can't go into the hotel rooms and, and things like that. How has that changed things for this year? It was kind of huge. We had a meeting with the NFLPA before this all started and basically petitioned to get 13 people. And the, I don't know if you know, they have like tiers. So it's like tier one, tier two, and tier three. And we wouldn't be able to do the show without having individuals in tier two, which like their general manager is tier two. So when we first were doing this, we were like, Okay, how are we going to get them to allow us to be in tier two when Tom Telesco was in tier two? Um, So we had to petition the NFLPA. Uh, We had a meeting with them, some of the higher ups at films. And fortunately for us, a lot of the reps from the PA have been part of the show. Player reps have done hard knocks before and they know how we work. So when we asked for those 13 tier two spots, they were granted to us. So we have... It's it's pretty bare bones though. I mean, like our PAs can't even be on the field with us, so we're joking that like the directors were all covered in kind of bruises because we're running around with like tripods, high hats, <laughs> things like that. Not that we ever took our PAs for granted because we love them dearly, but we 100% will never take them for granted once this all goes back to normal at some point. So, um, so with the tier two access, we are allowed. Most places, um, the hotel room is kind of off limits because it's indoors. A lot of our shooting we're doing outside, so that's why you've seen scenes at the beach and in backyards and things like that. So all the off the field stuff kind of just has to be outdoors. Um, at practice, we wear the tracers that the players are wearing. We have masks on. Um, we have to like stay within six feet away from them at practice and stuff, which isn't that big of a deal. I think we've realized at first we were like, Oh God, we're usually like right on top. No, we're really not. Like, I mean, we, it hasn't been that hard 
to be able to like keep our, keep our distance from them. So, but that was huge. The NFLPA trusting us and allowing us to have those 13 spots to get the show done. No, that's great. And then miking up the players, the coaches, that's the other piece of secret sauce. I think with hard knocks, it makes it so great is, you know, while they're out there on the playing field, you're hearing those conversations. How has that changed? I mean, are you, if you can't get within six feet of them, are you just like, throwing them the mic and saying, Hey, put it on or how does that work? Yeah. Well, for practice, um, their pads and their jerseys and stuff get mic'd ahead of time. So there's no interaction with the player that occurs during that. So we have a team of two guys who goes over and does that hours before practice. So that part's easy. When we do do the off the field shoots or have to mic coaches, basically we've taught the coaches how to mic themselves this year. So we have the whole process that it goes through with like sanitizing the mic, like handing them the mic, like in a Clorox, like wipe. Um, so they all know how to mic themselves now at this point. And we do the same things with the players on the shoots, basically hand over the mic in a baggie with, <laughs> with a glove in our hand, our hands are gloved and give it to them. So we have a whole process where we basically taught everyone how to mic themselves and, like I said, as far as practice goes, that hasn't changed. We uh, we get there hours in advance to like the equipment, so that stuff is easy. That's amazing. Before I let you go, uh, you've worked on Hard Knocks for quite some time now. What are some of the most memorable moments over the years for you? My first one, well, I was I was a field producer on the Jets one, so I was there, which is when I met Anthony Lynn. Um, and so we've been friends for the past ten years. So huh. this is kind of surreal for both of us that. We joked about when he was the running back coach and I was a field producer, like, yeah, maybe we'll do this together someday. And we were laughing, like, we didn't think we'd have masks on <laughs> doing this. No like, kidding. When it did happen. So um, that's been kind of fun, just being there, being here with him and having a friendship with him for the past 10 years and kind of seeing this all come full circle. But, uh, I mean, my favorite one is probably still the Texans. That was my first one as the assistant director of the show. Um, we just had some great characters that year for me as a Penn state grad working with Bill O'Brien. Like I knew he was going to be great. I think everybody kind of going into that was like, didn't know much about him. And I was like, no, this is going to be awesome. (laughs) Like I kind of, I knew. So, um, I really loved our characters that year. It's probably my favorite one as a whole. Um, I love the game where Charles James scores a touchdown at running back and when he's normally a corner, like when that all happened, kind of how we planned it. I mean, even like when things like that happen, it kind of was like this week, like Melvin comes back to practice and he scores a touchdown. Like he has an interception and runs it back like to end practice. Like, right. It's, it's almost like you scripted it that way. And you're like, Oh yeah, we're really smart. <laughs> we had no idea that was going to happen. Like coach even looked at me and was like, he did score on that period, didn't he? I was like, yeah, he did. <laughs> like, this is not fake. <laughs> this is what happened at practice that day. So, um, yeah, Texas overall is my favorite. Like I said, I think Darren Waller's story last year is probably the thing I'm most proud of that we've done. Because t- telling backstory in Hard Knocks is kind of hard. You don't often get a chance. Like, so much is happening in the moment that it's hard to get into a player's backstory. So, I liked that we were able to do that last year with his story. I thought that was important and I thought it touched a lot of people. So for me, that's probably the thing that I'm most proud of. Um, And then the Bucks hard knocks was probably the most fun. Like that locker room was so much fun. Um, Like Jameis Winston, Mike Evans, Gerald McCoy, those guys were all such like good sports and 
a lot of fun to work with. So that, that year was probably like my easiest year because that locker room was so great to work with and everybody really enjoyed it. So there's been a lot of fun moments on this show. Yeah, I agree. I, I would have to say mine is still the Jets because Rex Ryan's speeches were just, <laughs> oh my God, they were next level. And then, you know, you had the whole element of Darrell Revis was holding out. And yes. I thought you guys did such a good job of staying on top of that story, showing how those back and forth negotiations were going. And then, you know, I think it was either the last episode or the second to last episode that season where he signed and it was like, all right, he's back in the building and, and what that felt like. But I think it was the final scene of the show. Yeah, it might have been. It was it was really compelling because there were some really dramatic things going on with that team. And then you had Rex, who was just such a, a personality yeah. and his speeches were, oh, my God, they were so funny. Yeah. And Coach Coach Lynn has like said that here that like, you know, people often aren't like super excited when they hear like they're doing hard knocks, but he's like, the reason why the Jets one was so good was because Rex trusted us. And he's like, I want to be the same way with you guys. Like we all loved the crew that year. So, um, he's been great. Like he wanted to get on a zoom call with us when he first found out that they were doing it, wanted to like see everyone's faces and stuff. So, um, that's been good that he's trusted us so far. And he know like he knows a lot of the crew from that one. I would say maybe, maybe not quite 50%, but close to half the crew were people that he knew in New York. And that, that really helps. And that's another thing that's been different this year is our whole crew is staying. Normally it would just be the directors that stay the full time, but this year, all the camera sound PAs, everyone is exactly the same staying the full six to seven weeks. Um, so it's been quite a bonding experience. <laughs> How many people is that total? Uh, we have 26, I believe here total. Plus we have, um, uh, two more like camp safety officers too that we hired locally. Wow. Well, you guys have done an incredible job as always hard knocks, Los Angeles. It's on HBO every Tuesday, or you can find it on demand on HBO max, their streaming service. September 8th is the season finale. You've done three episodes so far. Uh, it's just incredible to see what you guys have done, especially during this pandemic. Shannon Furman, Emmy Award-winning producer and director for NFL Films, director for HBO's Hard Knocks. Find her on Twitter at FirmBiz. Thank you so much, Shannon. Keep up the great work, and I really enjoy uh, watching Hard Knocks. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. CBDMD is the official CBD partner of Sports Business Radio, and I couldn't be happier. Their products have made a huge difference in the quality of my life, my daughter's life, even our dog's life. I was having a difficult time sleeping, and CBDMD CBD PM drops and capsules have allowed me to sleep better than I have in years. CBD Freeze has been amazing for my daughter and I after we work out. Even our dog loves CBDMD's soft shoes. They've got a great array of products. And one of the things I like the most about CBDMD's products, they're all THC-free. That was very important to me. CBDMD is also the first American CBD company to be publicly listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Check them out under the ticker symbol YCBD. Athletes such as two-time Masters champion golfer Bubba Watson, former NFL wide receiver turned broadcaster Nate Burleson, and UFC athletes Daniel Cormier and Chael Sonnen use CBDMD's high-quality products. Change your quality of life just like I did. These are anxious times for a lot of us, and CBDMD's products have helped me sleep better and just live a, a higher quality of life. Visit CBDMD.com 
and enter the promo code SBR to save 25% off at checkout. That's cbdmd.com, promo code SBR. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends from Boingo Wireless, CBDMD, and Mizzen in Maine. And thanks to our partner, Molka Sports, for powering Sports Business Radio. Learn more about them online at molkasports.com. That's M-A-L-K-A sports.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions, griggsproductions.com.